Hey everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show that's about the house and on the house. Um, I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director here at House Conspiracy. Um, I've actually just finished sitting down with Matt Siri, who's my guest today for today's bonus issue, uh, bonus issue, bonus episode. Uh, about just uh, sitting down with uh, Matt, who I think is is an incredibly talented, up and coming director, creative producer, um, certain, certainly someone who I, I've looked up to sort of throughout my time as an artist. I didn't tell him this on the interview, but when he listens back, I guess I guess he'll find out that that tidbit of knowledge. And we we sat down and we talked about sort of his emergence from being a creative director into becoming. A director, what it was like putting on his first show, which was England by Tim Crouch, uh, his uh, Queensland debut of that work, um, and talking about also the the Brisbane arts industry and what what's great about Brisbane. I think, and I, me- I mentioned to Matt in the podcast um, that you know we don't talk about on the House Conspiracy podcast so much the experience of artists in Brisbane because largely I I don't find it to be a particularly interesting topic and. Um, I think, uh, not in so many words, but I think, I think Matt agrees. And I think this podcast d- does a good job of talking about what I imagine just about anyone could have come to the conclusion of within, within the Brisbane Arts. Um, anyway, uh, enough of the preamble. I did just finish this conversation just now. Um, just a reminder that you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, give us a rating and a review, um, and you can also go to houseconspiracy.org and um, see how we can support you, see uh, which artists we're supporting at the moment. Um, fair bit going on at the house. It's, it's nice. It's nice. We're, we're, we're picking back up steam after um, what you might have seen was um, a, bit of, a bit of a kerfuffle, a bit of a, a, bit of a losing of of our, our way, a little bit of losing track, just, just due to sort of figuring out the council and um, various legalities around there. So um, without further ado, moving away from sort of that sort of thing, um, I'm just going to go straight in and introduce Matt Siri. All right. Um, so, Matt, you just did your directorial debut over at um, Metro Arts, putting on a play, England, for the first time in Australia. Um, tell me about that process, that play, and the experience of directing for the first time. Yeah, okay. Um, so it was, um, yes, yeah, so it's called England by Tim Crouch. Um, it had been done, well, done once before in Australia in um, 2008 for Melbourne Festival. Um, at the Na- National Gallery of Victoria, mm-hmm. um, but we were the first time in Queensland, the Queensland premiere, and also the first time that an independent production company had been given the rights to it. So it was kind of like a big deal. Um, I it was particularly psyched for it. Um, I saw a work that Todd McDonald directed at Queensland Theatre, then Queensland Theatre Company, in two thousand eleven, called An Oak Tree. Did you see an oak tree? I didn't see an oak tree. Oh my god, you got to see an oak tree. I've got to see an oak tree. I don't know tree. how you're going to see it. It's amazing. Um, essentially how it works is you go in, sit down, and there's a hypnotist on stage, and then the other actor every night is a guest. They've never seen the script before. They've never read it. They're like held to strict confidentiality about it. Mm-hmm. And so they get pulled up on stage and have to go through play with um, their lines fed to them in an earpiece or on a clipboard or just directed literally on stage in front of the audience by the other actor. Right. Um, and the way that it kind of works is that the actor who knows what's happening plays the role of a hypnotist, and the other person plays the role of the person being hypnotized. So it kind of makes sense that they are given these instructions and it kind of blurs the line between what is a stage direction and what is a hypnotist direction. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it goes along, and I won't say much because it's all, you know, it, it hinges on this big twist at the end. Um, but it's really fascinating. I saw it when I was just about to start um, my theatre degree at QT. So I was watching it and there was like breaking all these rules that I'd never sort of knew that could be broken before and it wasn't really theatre as I knew it. Um, and I didn't know the term post-dramatic yet because I hadn't gone to uni yet. But yeah. that's essentially what I was seeing, what I was feeling, I was really mm-hmm. excited by it. Um, so I bought all of Tim Crouch's plays and just read through them and found this particular one, England, that I really, really loved. Um, so six years later, it was a bit of a coup to be able to 
do the Queensland premiere as my first time as a director with this um, you know sensational script here here in Brisbane. Yeah, with Metro Arts in the Metro Arts gallery because one of the things about the show which which I saw in love. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice show. Thanks for that. Uh, it's probably all the script. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's I did nothing. <laughs> that's the amazing thing about this was um, the, the the script and the actors do all the work for us. It's um it's a it's a site-specific theatre work for art galleries. Mm. So there's kind of a lot in it. Um, so the, the actors have to work so hard every night um, to keep the connection with the audience alive um, as they go through an art gallery tour and theatre performance um, at the same time. So I'm just very lucky. I had a good, good team of hard workers to like share share the creative load of it mm, mm, yeah and it, it's site specific it starts as one thing gradually devolves into something else and then becomes something else completely different which i don't, I don't really think i want to talk about because i think i think the experience of it is worth preserving regardless of whether anyone listening to this will encounter a restaging of it yeah um go read the text it does it does it read particularly well on the on the page it's it's very funny um because it doesn't the text doesn't give you much of an idea of what it will look or feel like to, for the live experience. Um, even simple things, like it doesn't allocate lines to different actors. It's just words on a page. It's just mm -hmm. sort of poetry in motion. Um, and you don't really get a sense of um, the sort of surroundings because it's just designed for any art gallery. So we had to sort of mould the words to fit the specific art gallery that we were in, mm -hmm. the Metro Arts Gallery, and also... Um, when we were referring to artworks around us at particular points, we had to sort of come up with all of those connections. Um, so there's no, there's literally no way that the two productions of England could ever be the same. Um, yeah, so, it's, so it's funny in that way when you read it, you get, you get sort of like a, a core, like a central idea of what it is, but it, it doesn't exist until it's in front of you and with you. So in that way, even though, even though you said, you know, there was all the actors and the team, like, there clearly has to be a certain level of directorial sort of addressing of the work. You, I assume, did the allocation of, of the lines? Yeah, um, so we didn't have long in rehearsals. We only had two weeks before we went up, um, which is nothing for, even though it's a short play, it's a very complicated play. Mm. It's a hard learn for the actors as well because it's so fragmented and, you know, finding links between lines and emotions was... To be honest, I don't know how they did it. I was going <laughs> to say, it would be very hard to sort of learn it in terms of, oh, well, that line should obviously prompt this line because there's, there's, none there's, not, there's not really any yeah, continuity in conversation. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny when I was talking to one of the actors one day um, about how they're sort of linking. They said, well, when I say this line, um, that prompts this other line in the future. And then I was looking through the scripts and like, where does that happen? And it wasn't, it, they sort of got this line and stood on standby for the connection in like seven minutes time. Mm -hmm. So the, the fact that they're doing that over and over and over is pretty astounding. Mm. And you had some, you had like uh, some older actors. Yeah, in, really good um, ones. Some really, really, <laughs> I was going to say like some really, really good actors. Um, yeah, yeah. So we had um, Barbara Lowing and Stephen Tandy who are both sort of phenomenally claimed and very experienced actors um, who've worked all around Australia and on, f on film and TV and theatre. Um, and I sort of, I knew both of these artists from other projects and just, you know, around just life. Um, and I really looked up to them and I admired what they did. So when it came time to casting this, there was kind of a sense of all can 23 year old first time director Matt Siri asked these like idols of mine to just put their faith in me and in the project um, and do it and so it was a bit of a, a you know, going out on a limb I think but one that entirely paid off because I don't think if we had their experience and their sort of work ethic and their ability to be vulnerable in the rehearsal room and try things and just really give themselves up to the text I think it would have been a pretty miserable show yeah and it's not it's not the kind of work either where you'd be able to get away with casting someone younger either no well, it's funny because um the the characters in the work um there's you get in the same way that you get really no information from the text like mm. you don't know their ages you don't really know their genders you don't know um a 
whole lot. So in the way that you allocate lines and the way that you cast, you actually shape a lot of what the narrative is and what context it sits in. Um, so I was really excited to be able to make these this couple who are at the centre of the, of the play. Um, an older couple, an old couple in London, in Southwark, in London, in England, um, which kind of served the the dramatic meaning that we were trying to pick away at an attack um, of different different world experiences sort of coming together and not entirely matching up as we think they would in a nice, you know, perfect, idealised world. Mm. I don't know if that is. I'm trying not to, like, Sport, say yeah. what it is, but... Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, and here's my directorial yeah, intent. This is what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was weird when you got up at the end of the show and explained it. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it was a strong directorial choice, I thought. Bold, right? Bold, bold. Yeah. Uh, Matt Siri didn't do that. Um, <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, so prior to, to that, that show, um, which I think like if we spoke about in any more specificity, it'll ruin the magic. Um, yeah. Prior Just, to that, Yeah, you have to at least read it. Yeah. Um, but definitely, if you ever get a chance to see it, throw yourself into it. It's just... It's really incredible. Actually, I, I do. I do have one more question about the work. Um, so the the two tour guides um, of the art gallery are a couple, an older man and an older woman, um, or maybe not. Um, what? It, yeah, it becomes it becomes something completely different. Um, was is there indication in the text that there should be two people at, as, in, the guides? as the guides? Yeah, that's actually the one thing. Um, no, there, are few, there are two things that it's really the text is really specific about. It's number one, this experience happens in an art gallery. Mm -hmm. It does not happen in the theatre. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It's in an art gallery. And that two guides are there for the audience. Um, so maybe just a, like a little bit of the summary of the work is you go into the art gallery and there are these two guides who meet you there. And for our version, that was just Barbara Lowing and Stephen Tandy, just them not in character, just these two people. And they give you time to look around the artwork around you and we had some of Brisbane's, you know, finest visual um, art on display. It was like really stunning. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, so, you know, very grateful to all the artists who contributed to that. Um, and you go and you meet these two people and they start to say, well, hey, welcome to Metro Arts. It was built in this year and this is the history of the space that we're in. Um, and if you look over here, you can see how the architecture has changed over the time. And by the way, I live in London. Um, this is, the, you know, my boyfriend's an art dealer. And so just very slowly it fades from the real world that you're in with Barb and Stephen into somewhere else. Mm. And people have to decide whether are these, is this the autobiography of the two people in front of us or characters that we're not meeting, people on the other side of the world. So there's this spectrum of the real world across to the fictional world. And as you walk around the gallery and look at different artworks and talk about different things, that sort of slider just goes haywire and you never really quite sure where where you are on the spectrum of realness or not realness. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which is which is a really good experience. How long does the play run? I wasn't keeping track as it It's about a real quick one. Um, yeah, it's about so, an hour. Yeah, so we including time for people to, you know, enjoy the artwork mm -hmm. um, on the way in and the way out. It's about a seventy minute show. Yeah. Um, but 55 minutes of that is, you know, performance and the rest is time in the gallery. So it's, yeah, short and quick. Yeah, it's, it's a, but it's a, it's a remarkably um, moving as much as the work is, that word has kind of moved to genericness. Yeah. It's a remarkably moving work for a work that's sort of so short. Yeah. It's, like it, it's, it feels like a slow burn despite the fact that it's it, 50 yeah. minutes. I think a lot of that is because it's, you know, it's rapid fire. It's mm. fragmented lines here, 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 here. Um, but also the audience are doing a lot of work. Like we, we never really say, okay, just sit back and watch us now. We keep the audience present and active the entire time. Um, I mean, there are simple things like we just speak to them on certain lines, um, which was really funny in rehearsals because these two actors who come from a you know, traditional playhouse or lyric stage background um, are now in this sort of like site specific kind of liminally ambiguous um, work. And I'd say things like, okay, so for maybe for this little chunk of text, just say it to someone near you. And they'd be like, but where will, where will they be? I, said, I don't know. They might, they might be over there. Like, we don't know where they'll be. We just find someone and just talk to them. Um, so the little ways like that that we just made sure that the audience were like in the show with us. But then there are other ways when we, you know, we were 
ambiguous or vague or we we went ahead of the audience and made them catch up to us which you saw particularly mm. in the start of act two when you we just go and it's yes. up to the audience to figure out what's happening now um mm. so which that takes way, time yeah to to figure out it's like really fun. in rehearsals we had um we had a test audience and they were the queensland theater youth ensemble uh-huh. so you know like young yeah, artists, yeah, 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 just yeah really vocal and great um and when we did this bit and they sort of figured out i don't what's oh i get it and we heard the penny drop like all of them made a, a vocalized sort of oh and like whispered to each other it was really funny to like watch that happen to see that yeah it doesn't it's not a quick thing Mm-mm. yeah Mm-mm. It, it i some time I felt like an idiot for a little bit, but, that, and, <laughs> but that's and, the point, right? And we were we were really careful about a lot of that stuff. Um, as you go into the gallery in the first place, there's there's an area at the back of the gallery which was seating, which we use for Act Two, but we don't use it at all for Act One. But we didn't sort of bollard it off or say, "Please don't sit down yet." We just said, "You're in this space with us. Nothing you do is wrong. There's no way that you can engage with the work that's wrong. Um, if it takes you a little while to figure out how Act Two might be functioning, that's okay." If you don't, when the actors look at you, if you don't want to meet their eye contact, that's okay. If they move through you and you don't want to get out of their way, they you can make them go around you. Like there's no real wrong answer for the audience, because we knew that we were asking them to work very hard. It would also be a bit rude of us to ask them to work very hard and by our rules. So we just thought, nah, we'll we'll play by your rules as long as we're in this together. What was the capacity on opening night? Was uh, capacity was seventy. I think we had a few sneakings. So yeah, because it was it was full, and it was this crowd of people crowded around these two actors as they tell us about the art, and people moved from one side of the gallery to the other, not actively, but because the actors had parted the sea of people yeah. often enough that you know I I started in one corner and then ended up sort of in the other and then you go around into part two where you're offered a seat yeah i talked um, to a couple of people about that movement and mm. it was really interesting um because when you start you're like everyone's like oh i will stand here <laughs> i will watch the show there and people are very definite about their positioning um but as it goes on the actors sort of cut through you and you move out of their way or they move and you want a better view you start to move around and after the first sort of 20 minutes you've kind of lost definity in where you where you're standing you just yes. it's, oh I'm just here now I guess or um, and there's another way the actors had to work really hard because you know one half of the audience might have moved a lot and been really right close and move out of the way and the other half might have stood I'm going to press myself against a wall and never move from there but they had to make the you know the, the show work regardless so they had to realise every single person in the audience how they're going to move because mm. they have to then plan ahead if I cut across this way they're going to be standing right where I need to be the, the one moment that we have a particular lighting cue and things like yeah, that yeah and you have to be at that painting yeah we, yeah that's because the um, script was tied so closely to image the images around us um, yeah it was I don't know maybe a bit of a gamble but we're lucky because all of our audiences just gave themselves up to it and and moved or didn't move the actors sort of made it work as well mm. yeah <laughs> and, life, right? <laughs> and one of the more interesting things you sort of just mentioned in there was um, how the audience loses track of where they are based on the movement that they're forced to do and I, I find that interesting because I wasn't thinking about that actively but that's incredibly cohesive with what you mentioned earlier you were trying to do with the progression of the play as it moves from reality yeah, the, you, the, it's the and we um, act one starts with you know, there's no scene numbers on a page in the script. We sort of invented those ourselves to help us through rehearsals. So we split sort of act one to six scenes, and then the, each scene a number of beats. So the first scene in act one, all that we were making up, um, had a couple had three beats in it, um, and so we used those three beats to to sort of show the audience the three different options of um, engagement that we'll have. So we'll have, here we are very firmly at Metro Arts. Mm -hmm. And then another beat was, here we are very firmly in Southwark and London in England, in our fictional world. And then we had, and here we are somewhere in between. So the first five minutes of the show, you you got sort of an overview of all the ways that we will talk to each other over the course of the evening. Um, And then from there, so that that was the definitive 
sort of part. This was the structured overview of how you will experience this work. It's all very academic. And then for the rest of Act 1, and in particular in Act 2, we just let go of that structure and let the slider move around a bit more. And that mimicked essentially how the audience was moving in the space. Mm. Moved from being really certain and here I am to, oh, I don't know anymore, or, or here I am and I think that's okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And it's, it's, it's one of those rare times where sort of the formal experimentation pays off in a really emotional way rather than a haha Matt Siri is very clever way yeah, or well, Tim Crouch is very clever yeah. way see, see Tim Crouch is very clever but you're right um, people <laughs> one of the things you said people would like laugh when no one even themselves didn't expect to laugh or we had people you know, we had a lot of people crying but like crying standing up in a fully lit room surrounded by 60 other people like it, mm. it, it wasn't the quietly crying in the dark at the back row of the theatre. It was like, it was a really bizarre sort of experience for a lot of people, um, which, you know, is, I think, a success for us, that people would just, like, give themselves up in that way. Hmm. The way the way you talk about it, um, I mean, it sounds obviously like you've put a lot of thought into it, but are, are you happy with it, sort of? Yeah, really happy, um, really relieved. Um, yeah, really relieved. Yeah. Um, we yeah we achieved a lot that we were we were hoping for, um, and really like, so much of the work was was a gamble. We didn't know I mean, this kind of work isn't really like often presented. Um, I mean, this particular work is never presented in Queensland, mm. um, so we didn't know how people would re respond to it. Whether people would be like, oh, what art wank, or oh my god, that was the most moving experience I've ever had. Um, even the way that we constructed the work, because we had such a short amount of time and ve a very specific arrangement of artworks in the gallery. Um, sort of, I went into rehearsal on the f first day with this is the allocation of lines. It will probably move as we try it, but this is draft one, and this is like a fully blocked version, like a fully choreographed version of the show. The draft one again, it'll probably change. So, the first few days were just taking a blueprint that I'd penciled in before rehearsals and just getting on the stage. Um, so once it was in our bodies, then we could worry about sort of the emotional journey and tweaking and things like that. But the risk there was that if the, if the allocation was a bit screwed up or if the blocking didn't really work for people or if we blocked the show in a way that people wouldn't be able to move or wouldn't be able to see, um, there would have been like no time at all to rectify those things. Um, so it was a huge gamble, but so we so we did that and had our test audience in, and it was just a, a big relief that it functioned, and, yeah. we, and we were okay, and then we were going to be okay when we had seventy people in Metro Arts. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I think I think I think you were okay. Yeah. 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 Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, so shifting away from that, that was your first time directing a work, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've been the artistic director of both Vina Carver Productions, so we're the current residents here at House Conspiracy, yeah. um, as well as uh, of uh, FAST, Festival Australian Student Theatre. Um, so, sort of, we could talk about that, but I'd rather go back further, because I don't think this is stuff I've even asked you about oh, personally, yeah. but like, where were you always interested in theatre? When was your love of art ignited? Like. Growing up, what was your interaction with the arts? Um, I mean, I think pretty, pretty typical uh, to a lot of people. I went to, you know, a quiet little private school mm -hmm. outside of Brisbane, and we had a drama program, and I really liked the drama program. Um, you know, it was just sort of excursions to see Lebois shows or QTC shows, um, doing, you know, Lebois ambassadorship and things like that. Um, so, you know, I was really engaged with, with drama, in air quotes, um, but it wasn't until I finished high school and started, you know, being engaged in the industry a bit more on my own volition, not just like, we have an excursion on the university, but actually like actively seeking out things, um, and then moving into my first year of theatre, the theatre degree, that I moved from um, being interested in drama and interested in working in theatre and I think they're two very different things okay um, so yeah so I went through that and then just 
Can you can you sorry before we move on? Can you expand like the difference between theater and, and drama? What what do you what do you mean that? What's the differentiation that you're drawing? It's very interesting because I've never really had to put it in words. I just feel like um, that the drama is, and this is probably a bit controversial and shouldn't say it or something like that. But no, I mean, drama feels more um, academic and reflective and philosophical um, and not practice based. Whereas theatre is very pragmatic. It's you know, it's problem solving, it's logistics, and it's getting a live experience into the real world um, in a way that I f- don't think that drama quite is. But this is just words, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, this, yeah, is yeah, just, yeah. this is just the vocabulary that is in my mind because I went to drama high school and drama theatre degree into the industry. Like, those are just, it doesn't mean anything. No, but, three, but, but it's just like it's a delineation within yeah, your mind. Yeah, and I think maybe it's what I'm, what I'm trying to say by drama versus theatre is just um, academic versus practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go on. So, <laughs> so you, shift, you shifted out of high school. Um, yeah, I went through, went through the QUT fine arts um, degree and didn't really know what I was doing. I did acting and I'm not good at that. And then um, I did a lot of stage managing mm. and some more sort of, even though I wasn't in the technical production degree, I did a lot of... Um, prod roles um, and sort of skilled up in a very informal way yeah um, which has helped me sort of a lot just having a broader understanding of how sort of things work um, and then yeah third year and sort of was very lucky to be able to leave um, Vina Carver mm. and then during that time I my practice shifted a bit more away from um, stage managing and lighting, designing, and things like that into um, sort of this creative producer role. Um, so facilitation of the of Festival of Australian Student Theatre and of Vina Carver and of programming and of making sure that the things happened. Um, it's just sort of where I've ended up and I've been in that way, this sort of like producing, um, production managing kind of role for a few years. And it wasn't until very recently that I sort of, I've always wanted to do more directing work, but it wasn't until very recently that I sort of, nah, just like put it into action and sort of planned this year as a bit of a professional realignment or professional development year yeah. to, to do more of that work. Because you, you, you specifically planned out for England, I remember you applied for funding, you sort of said yeah, if, you're gonna do it, if you're going to do it, you were going to do it properly. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. talking about this, I think, over a year ago now, actually. Yeah, it was a long time. Um, I mean, it's a slow process of sort of applying, getting rights, but also finding the right performance context for it. Mm. Um, and at the time, there wasn't really anywhere for that to happen. Um, in, in, sort of in the way that that I wanted it to happen, in the way that in for a way that would allow me to build the skills that I wanted to build. Yeah. Um, until this year, when Metro started the local program, which is. With um, cut thumb and yeah, um, it's a it's so you, it's a co a series of co presentations. It's not inside the Metro Arts annual program, but it's sort of in collaboration with them and an independent company, yeah, which is yeah, great. Yeah. It allowed us to maintain the you know agility of our independent practice, but also be able to skill up a little bit in terms of working in a co production model, and to be able to present this work in a really ideal space. Um, which is already a hub for theatre makers and seers and visual artists and their audiences. So the fact that these two sort of worlds that we were pushing together already called this one place home, it was sort of like the ideal. Yeah, if you were going to use an intersectional venue, this was the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So you're right. So it's been it's been a long time of sort of for planning and sort of you know that strategic. Thing you do where you're like what's my career plan what are the steps mm-hmm. what's your what's the Matt series five-year plan oh my god oh I'm not asking stuff. the question it's like a <laughs> that's not even key, good. Key, yeah. um and yeah so it's took a while but so this year is a really exciting year when all the sort of like long-term planning of like moving from curatorials supporting other people's projects um work comes into sharpening my own craft especially in um directorial sense yeah. I don't know. So it might be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been um, good so far. So 
let's talk a bit because like part of the reason well, a lot of the reason i wanted to get you on here is that even though this is sort of like a podcast about brisbane artists ten tends to focus more on the artists as, as a person yeah. but um I know my experience of you, I mean, I met you when you were artistic director of Vina Carver and I wrote um, Library for the End of the World with Sarah Winter. Yeah, um, yeah you've, you've always been someone who's sort of very quite in touch with the arts industry. I think that's fair to say, particularly as a young person sort of interacting with and also producing within the industry. And I guess I, I wanted to talk a bit about like Brisbane, <laughs> Brisbane arts uh, a little bit, which yeah. is a, a little bit of like a, a loaded topic sometimes. Yeah, but um, how are you finding it? Like, where do you, where do you think we're at? Mm. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I actually do find myself talking about this a lot in mm. different contexts, um, and I'm not sure how that started. But like, I I do a lot of you know, thinking about this and like this, some talks at Highway and some talks with yeah, Peter and just, just forming kind of things. Um, which I think is really, really good. Um, but also I just need to like put a little disclaimer that all of this is just my experience and my thoughts um, could be not quite accurate. Yeah, um, no, this is this is in part, um, there's another podcast I'm hoping to release, which is of the um, Pitch Drop panel, the Make Queensland Love Art Again yeah. panel, terrible title, but um, kind of doing a kind of few bonus episodes, sort of more around larger industry. Yeah. So... Cool. You're not definitive. Okay. Um, this is just the Matt Serial. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What is it like? There's, or like this is not a new thing at all. Um, so, uh, but you know, there's that, that pervading sense of Brisbane. It's not happening in Brisbane, and if I move away, it'll get better. Which is like I don't know how that trope has not exhausted itself. That has been forever now. It's like, also just statistically false. Well, this is the thing that, um, that sort of frustrates me a little bit is because I consider that and in my Matt Siri five-year plan, I've like thought about do I move and do I do further study at, mm. at a Southern Institute or whatever. Um, but there's no... What's the guarantee that people are banking on when, when they do this move? I think in Brisbane we actually have a lot going for us. I say that from a position of having been very lucky and having had a lot of opportunities um, and being in the right place at the right time and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But I don't, I don't feel like it's, the community here is as barren as, as it's sometimes made out to be. And particularly, it is, it is more of a community than I think you would get in other places. We have such, you know, an a l- army of creative people of all ages um, but it's but it's a close community. There's a sort of there's a sense of of, of shared experience and of, of support and encouragement. And I think you see that when things like the Festival of Australian Student Theatre and the Stand Up DIY Festival and here at House Conspiracy and Anywhere Theatre Festival, like the audiences for all of those kind of performance contexts are other artists. Like we, we do band together and we see each other's stuff and we make sure we know that each other's stuff is on. Um, and even if we can't make it, we're aware of what's happening at Room to Play at the substation. Like there's no, yeah. I don't think we, we've lost connection with each other as much as it might feel like we have sometimes. Um, and the amount of cross promotion that goes on too is phenomenal. Yeah. Like yeah. institutions are willing to support independence and other institutions and there's just a lot of yeah yeah absolutely and um i just think the real strength of the brisbane arts community is its is its people like people here are so multi div, uh, like multi-skilled like mm. such a diverse skill set um and we're like people aren't afraid to work hard like take house conspiracy for example like it it has this vibe this air of being a very casual artist that's just come into the space and it's there and it's lovely but it's not at all it's fucking hard work like and i know i didn't need to tell you this but it's no mean feat to create this space and these opportunities for people but you do it and people who run other festivals and all the people who put in their time at anywhere or 
at you know at the Watt Highway or through the Queensland Theatre eight weeks in a theatre program like people are putting in the effort to make sure that these opportunities are there there will always be a sense that there aren't enough because there are a lot of people um, so but many I people. think in the last you know and, and me are equity which really historically has no engagement with um, the young independent theatre scene because we don't fit their membership bill we don't describe ourselves as I am an actor with employment as an actor like we're oh I'm a theatre kind of person producer man like like that, that's not there but they've they've started to you know hold regular meetings and events and say like we you know what's going on here so people are listening and acting I mean I'm just listening example now but another one is like at, over at Le Bois, um Todd's program is responsive if you look at this year there's, you know, there's the Dead Puppet Society with Laser Big Man, and there's um, Adam and Nim with Lady mm. Beetle, and there's Hot Brown Honey. There's like, these are all Whoa. independent practices that have been welcomed into this main stage context. And single Asian female came out of Labot Highway, exactly. too, which is yeah. like, yeah, an indication of that as well. Yeah. So I think, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't think we need to be as dispirited and as bleak about Brisbane as sometimes it's comfortable to be because it's just it's like it's inevitably going to be hard work anywhere yeah to to make to make to make a successful arts career like it's very hard work and it's very unlikely so unlikely do it anyway um so if we do going through that struggle and it will be a struggle why not do it in a city where we know most of our peers and collaborators and we can just go to the artistic director of Queensland Theatre and ask for a coffee and have one and do the same at Lavoie and do the same in Metro Arts and do mm. like there's we have access to who might be called the gatekeepers here in Brisbane which I can't imagine me moving to Melbourne and just doing that at Melbourne Theatre Company or so I don't know this is no, I'm not, I, I don't have any answers here. I just, no, I just feel no, no, like no, no, no. the strength of our community is in its people and in the access we have to each other. Yeah, and I and I there are there are sort of two questions that come to me out of that. But I think the the one I want to ask first maybe is what's the what's the psychology? Because you said you said quite quite pointedly and I think quite correctly that it's comfortable and it's easy to hate on Brisbane. Yeah. What's the psychology there? Does it come from? Does it? Does it? Is it drawn from the the Australian sort of cultural cringe idea? Is it? Is it drawn from just like our underdog mentality? What What is it that makes it so easy for people to just, just be so willing to shit on Brisbane? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think there was definitely a period, um, and there's still an ongoing period of reduced opportunities that we went through. Um, you know, you, you take sort of the, the role models that you might look up to now, companies who have gone through the independent um, pathways and ended up at main stage um, positions and also have achieved national and international successes. Um, and you look at the opportunities that they had of, you know, jump start mentorship and I can't even remember the names now, art start grants and things just get you up on your feet and sort of the independence program at Metro Arts and then the what indie and all these things like there's a there's a long list of things that used to be that helps people get through that now literally just gone and I think there was a sense of well that has happened and that reduction of opportunity has happened because I'm in Brisbane because that's where we know to look for the reduction of opportunity right. but I'm sure people are saying the exact same things as the climate changes in other cities and other places. They're saying it in Melbourne. I mean, the Black Friday arts cuts. Yeah. There were, I mean, that was Express Media. That was um, various mid-tier theatres in Melbourne just lost all their funding. Yeah. And so what I think it is, is that we, there is this sort of, this is very dramatic language, but there's sort of this sickness of the industry, which is not as, I don't mean to sound that hopeless because, you know, we're very lucky. Um, but there's this sickness and we only see the Brisbane symptoms. So we think mm. Brisbane is the only sick thing when it's not the case. Right. Um, so I think that's where it comes from. This is the fact that, you know, I can move to a limb of Australia that hasn't atrophied yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you get there and it's all gangrenous. And all. 
It's like we're we're not the only city with leprosy, is Ex- what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's a very grim exaggeration, yeah, but but I you did a drama degree. I think that's a little bit of where where it comes from is that we only we're only trained to see the you know, the disadvantages at our front door. Well, we're only trained to see what we look at. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, but and also as I said, you know this this. Five, this five year ago or until now ish period of, um, of hardship is ongoing, absolutely mm. ongoing. But you know, there are, Brisbane is res- responding. And you know, if it wasn't for the Metro Arts local program, I wouldn't have been able to do England in the way that I want and I have been able to. And if it wasn't for you know, the, uh, the focus of the ability of Queensland Theatre to start welcoming in assistant directors and um, director's observation roles, things like that, which didn't happen over the last three or four years of Queensland Theatre Company. Um, while the the sickness is still there, <laughs> we're still we down get with it, the sickness. We're getting, we're still dancing, we're getting better at sort of self care throughout it mm. and, and finding opportunities. Um, and I think you know, it's just join join that fight and do what you do and create create the opportunities. Um, in any way that you can and just just know going into it that it's going to be a struggle like, yeah it's, but, never, it's not going to be easy because, because it is and I'm not, I'm not saying this as, as like me like you singled me out but I think you're you're very much the same um, in sort of in sort of that that psychology of exactly you know it's going to be hard because it's it's the arts yeah this isn't a place where you, you know you're magically going to make it yeah, and that was a, a big part of the psychology behind um, how I sort of pivoted the Festival of Australian Student Theatre because it used to be quite a presentation-focused event where you would come and you would do your very final version ready show for a public audience mm. um, and that has its val- merits. Um, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Uh, keep talking. Answer. That has its merits, um, except you they kind of weren't getting audiences for a lot of the shows um and that's because you know it's hard to sell student theater to the general public because yes. it's in people's minds it's it's not quite ready theater it's amateur theater it's which which to a degree it is it's a platform for people to learn how to make theater yeah the platform to learn so that's what we wanted to Capture and to pivot it away from an audience-facing festival and into itself into an artist-facing festival to turn it into three days of like-minded people, makers, and people who are starting to get a real sense of the struggle ahead to come together and to just be okay together for three days to just like this is what I have now and it maybe not finished or this one is finished but I don't know what I'm going to do next and to just to build those networks and to build those you know that social enterprise that is the one thing that'll help the struggle be a bit easier um mm. so, so yeah I'm, I'm i'm glad that that logic has kind of trickled through and out into into how people make and work and, and see themselves as part of a, a, a much bigger community than just themselves and their immediate collaborators did the, and this is like really specific talk to sort of local Brisbane theatre, but um, did the um, sort of experience with Fresh Blood Festival influence what you thought would be valuable from Festival Australian Theatre? Fresh Blood, uh, by the way, is Vina Cover Productions' um, student theatre sort of showcase where anyone um, who's uh, studying student at QUT can apply to put on a show or a work in progress to other members of Vina Cover. Um, but yeah, the the thing that I really learned and took from Fresh Blood, which was an established um, part of the program from leaders much earlier than when I did it, um, was that the it was a really fun festival because it kind of had this like little caveat over the top of it of um this might be fucked like <laughs> yeah this we like we don't know what this is so we're just gonna do it and see what happens um, so it was like the whole idea of that festival is this is a base for new things mm. to either succeed spectacularly or fail spectacularly um, and I liked the sense of like it's okay either way um, so we definitely folded that into the Festival Australian Student Theatre to to say like yeah whatever happens here it's a thing that's important is that we're together like we're doing it together and we're seeing that like 
this is the directions that we're heading in and if you need to meet a hot new player right there over there and you've never met them before but now you know and things like that and doing that sort of inward focus of the festival um you know it's thaw our house and i was like skyrocket because we it was just us now we knew that if we wanted people to come and see our shows we would go and see their shows it's the exact same principle that like keeps anywhere theater festival going like you just you reciprocate and i think in brisbane we have a a community that's open to reciprocation I'm gonna ask a. I should also mention that oh. um, I'm no longer leading Festival of Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Sorry, yeah, that is now Leah Stark, previous House Conspiracy resident and all-round uh, good woman. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I'm so excited to see what she does because she's she's so acutely aware of um, of herself and her position in the community and the community within the world, and she just you know she passes this eye over the landscape and just picks out oh yeah this is what needs to be done. So to have that sort of energy take over the festival now and lead it to new heights, I think I'm really excited for it. Yeah. To those listening to the podcast, if you haven't listened to Leah Stark's episode, I think it's around about episode nine. It's um, one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> she, she's a very good egg. But I was going to ask, Matt Siri, I was going to ask you a very controversial question. Oh, God. Um, it's all right. It'll make me look worse than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This culture of reciprocation, yeah. does it have the potential to be damaging when you find yourself feeling like you need to reciprocate by supporting works that just simply aren't good? Mm. Because what I think about this culture of reciprocation is that I think it's net good, maybe. Um, but what I also find about it is that because there's that meta transaction, right? Like there's always the transaction of going to the theater, you pay as much as you need. Even if you don't pay in money, even if you get a comp ticket, you're paying in time Mm -hmm. to some degree. So there's there's always a transactional element to sort of any theater going. Um, Books also are particularly a case with that, Um, less so visual art, because you can just scram. Um, (laughs) uh, But, but visual art, obviously, if you put in the time, you get a lot more out of it, particularly with a great work. Um, but anyway, going, going back to sort of, uh, when you've got that sort of meta transaction where it's like, well, not only have I given you my money, but now you're going to give me yours and we're going to reciprocate and we're going to mm. see each other's shows. Does it make the culture of criticism in Brisbane weaker? Does it make people less willing to sort of give criticism and does that ultimately perpetuate an arts industry that will never grow beyond itself because it's constantly artists telling other artists that their work is good when maybe sometimes it isn't so this is so yeah i mean i think about it in much simpler terms because i'm a simple guy um i think that you know the reliance on reciprocation is a very short-term thing it's not a perpetual it's not an everlasting um it it's helpful at the point that i'm at my, my career like early years figuring out what my practice is figuring out what i'm interested in investigating things like that and while i'm still at that bit which is fail or succeed spectacularly mm. one of those two um and i think at that point it's very valuable because you don't get to practice your craft without that you know that engagement of the audience um, but it certainly stops being the, the driving factor very quickly when you start to move on to more established um, performance contexts and, and above. That, that mm. just stops entirely and there's no, there's no sort of sense of that. Um, so the, the little bit of reciprocation that's left, the, the start of the path, um, I don't think... Don't th- I think it, it certainly is more... Yeah, like I said, I think it's the reason I think that is because you go and you do your transaction of money and of time, and you see the show, and hopefully you can help someone else's production sell out, which is always good. Yeah. Um, but there's, I don't think the fact that they have attendance necessarily means that there's future life for that work. 
like no one has ever remounted a show just because people came to it. I don't. And I, I also don't. don't think that in the transaction of going to another show, mm. it involves your positive criticism. I think that you, the attendance at the show doesn't at all um, come with complimentary conversation. If people aren't, if people, a lot of people go and see. I say a lot of people came and saw England because I had maybe seen a show of theirs a mm. couple of months ago. There's no reason why they wouldn't then tell their friends that was a real piece of shit show. Don't go see that. Like, I don't, I don't know how harmful just going and seeing is. I think har- harmful is the wrong word. I think, I think what, what I'm getting at is less of a perpetuation in terms of bringing audiences. I, I think I'm yeah, like the, I'm, the danger zone is definitely we don't want to ever rely on I do shows for my family and friends only. Well, not even that, but I, I'm I'm even thinking about it in sort of a, a wider sense. And call call me out if if you think this is an unwarranted paranoia. But if if there's that transactional element of I need this person who's made this show to come see it, I'm I'm sort of more talking about criticism of the of the theater maker to the theater maker that that will then allow them to sort of grow being mitigated by the idea that in the back of your head you're thinking about possible transactions you'll need to make. I'm not, I'm not worried about like a perpetuation of audiences and whatnot. I'm more interested in sort of personal growth of artists. Yeah. I think as, I think as long as, you know, you, can never, you never expect someone to come to your show. No. Just, so I think you, know, you go in with a sense of I'm doing this for you, not for my eventual <laughs> box office. You'd um, but also to to have spaces for critical conversations. Like I think that's more important than just seeing the show as between between artists, I think it's mm. more important to then, you know, have the coffee date and say, Oh, didn't really quite think that was amazing or this was particularly good and that's a strong direction you should focus in or Yeah. I I don't know, I don't know if that's answering the question. I just I think that just comes back to the the community being an engaged one here um, is a, is a factor that I have relied upon mm. to get to this point of my career and will continue for the next few years um, to draw upon. And again, my experience only. No, yeah, yeah, of course. This is the Matt series opinion hour. Oh, um, and maybe not, I got some thoughts. It's, it's not the Matt series speaks the uh, unmitigated truth out. Yeah, that's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's tomorrow. That's that's next next time. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe 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 I'm, maybe I'm being I'm being super super paranoid about this stuff. Um, yeah, maybe maybe. Uh, maybe. You know, you're not paranoid if there are people out to get you. That everyone's out to oh my God. get me. Oh my God. <laughs> Why did you bring that up? <laughs> no. um, this is the most... Uh, I'm, all right. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan shifts in his chair uncomfortably. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Matt Siri gives me stage directions. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually always producing the podcast, giving me stage directions. We need to go into the depths of paranoia for a bit. Oh, yeah, we oh good. To, we're out of that. Great. We need to, we need to feel worried. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Um, going back to sort of your your core argument is that the best part about Brisbane Arts is is, is the people and is is the sort of um, the community, which is why it's such a shame when everyone talks about not wanting to be here anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know. I think if you are feeling the struggle, um, and it's particularly grating, there's always always the option to you know, what what do you need here and what's the best way to ask for it and come send me an email and we'll put a grant in together or like all your other friends like there's I, I still think there's a, a value in, in identifying missing opportunities and trying to make them happen and yep. you won't always of course you won't always but I don't think it's impossible either no no it's, conspiracy it's... is a fantastic example yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catch me off guard every time the podcast becomes about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, how do you think I feel? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But you were, you were, you were asked to do this. That's true. Uh, I, agree. I agreed like a fool. You agreed like a fool. Um, no, uh, you know, it's it's good to have you here. Um, I had, I think, an, another couple questions but we've kind of pretty much wrapped wrapped around everything i wanted to talk about <laughs> very comprehensive um, one one thing i wanted to ask about is uh with england and this sort of ties into house conspiracy so maybe maybe i'm asking this question but 
it's it's an interdisciplinary show. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's about visual art, but it's very much the experience is a performative yeah, theater experience. But it's it's about visual or the context for that experience is a visual art experience. It's really amazing, right? So Tim Crouch always does this thing where he tells a very clear story, but indirectly. Mm. He will never just say the story. He will give it through some sort of vessel some vicarious mode of storytelling and so in the case of England it's the story of a dying woman in England who gets a heart transplant dot 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 um, but you never just get told that story no. so the, the way that that story is told is through the language of a visual art gallery tour um, so without the the contribution of the collaboration of the visual art form we wouldn't have the words to say our story so that it's vitally important that art form is vitally important in the same way that um uh divi and bella mm. two sound designers um created this just phenomenal yeah we didn't even talk about the sound design but it's yeah, fantastic yeah. it's gonna be up on soundcloud soon so oh, when it really? does i'll like make sure everyone sees it because it's just like if you didn't see the show at least listen to it it's fantastic it's, it's this so sort of good. evolving soundscape that's very intricately instrumentized that's not a word but and it, ev- it adapts it uh, responds to the performance and to the audience as it unfolds it's just, it was very clever it was very like what a gift that is to mm. have those two, that, two very talented amazing artwork these actors it's like oh I'll still find a way to fuck this up and, um, so, so that in its its own way um we talked about the sound being a third guide in the space. There was Barb and Steven and the sound. Um, because there were moments when we just said, all right, the performance just stops and the sound has a solo moment and we just stand there and listen to it. Um, so the, this, again, the show wouldn't give you the answers that it gives you or wouldn't ask the questions that it asks you if you took the sound away or if you took the art away or if you took the performers away um it's a it's a sort of perfect triangle of the three of them is what we aim for anyway <laughs> mm, mm, and then and then the, the the big challenge is is balancing that yeah yeah because yeah. audience have got to sit in the middle without feeling too trapped or disoriented or stand in the middle of that at least at least for at least for the, the most part of the play um so we sort of we've sort of looped back to the start which is nice it's nice um uh What's next? What's next? Um, I'm currently uh, building puppets for Lazy Beak Man, mm-hmm. the Puppet Society. Over at um, Le Bois in yeah, it'll be, August, um, September? September. So it's uh, Lazy Beak Man is Dead Puppet Society, Le Bois Theatre Company and Brisbane Festival co-production. And it's going to be, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. I'm not sure what's still wrapped up, but it's going to be like know huge and fantastic. I'm yeah, it's going to be really cool. Um, anyway, so, so every now and again I get to sort of build puppets for this company and then we'll go on to um, have a show role in the season as well um, so that's now and it's a lovely change of pace from being in charge from, and the anxiety yeah, for that yeah, from directing um, yeah and it's sort of a nice little um, regathering moment to still have this like you know it's creative contribution to a large scale project but it's in between my directorial debut and my next directorial work which will be as the assistant director of Black Rock at Le Bois. oh really yeah um, so it's sort of a nice little um, kind of bookending projects with others. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Trying to build a flow for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be good. It's been good so far. Been very lucky. Yeah, 2017. Year of winners. Yeah. This is my <laughs> professional realignment year. Yeah. Let's see what happens at the end of it. Let's see what happens at the end of it. Hopefully, 2018 happens. Yeah, well, we'll um, see. Yeah, I mean, look, no promises. It's, look, it's very up in the air. <laughs> Hey, uh, th- thanks for coming in, Matt Zeri. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for, thanks for talking. Pleasure. <laughs> okay. Bye. Cool. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Uh, fade <laughs> to music. It's, it's, a very, it's very produced. Thanks for listening to the House Conspiracy podcast recorded at House Conspiracy. If you have feedback or you want to say hi or if there's something you'd like to see us do, you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org and you can email me directly about ideas for future podcasts at jonathan at houseconspiracy.org. You can also support us by becoming a member or by donating to us at houseconspiracy.org slash donate. See you next time.
Nothing. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm Jonathan O'Brien of House Conspiracy, sitting down with Matt Theory, and it'll cut to. Anyway, thanks for coming in today. <laughs> That'll be a pretty funny podcast to do. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, so we'll cut it here. Anyway, I'll see you next time. <laughs> that was a really good chat. Um, I learned some valuable things and some interesting views of yours. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> sort of totally opened up and bore my soul. Um, and people don't often get to see or hear that side of me, so I'm great. glad that we could do it now. I'm glad we could do it too. I'm glad um, people now know how you feel about the Jews. And podcast. <laughs> <laughs>